you are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach, and although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. If you have ever wondered if you could set up a marketing plan for your business that works, then today's episode is for you. I am so happy to welcome Russell Lundstrom. He is the chief architect and we're going to talk about that and he is here today to talk about reverse engineering a marketing plan that works for your specific business now russell was born and bred as an entrepreneur he started multiple seven-figure businesses he's helped hundreds of other businesses repeat that success he is now on a mission to simplify the world of marketing and he has a heart and the mind and they are the engine of the world and he is driven to improve the world through better business so welcome to the show russell well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. You're the word ninja and I'm the chief architect. That's a great, great beginning. <laughs> Russell, this is your first time on the Author to Authority podcast. So I would love for you to take a few minutes, introduce yourself, share your business story with you. How did you become the chief architect? Well, you, you did a good summary. Um, it's true. My father really like he was an immigrant from Europe. And so he came to the America with the idea that this is the land of opportunity with the mindset of this is the place to start a business. And, and it's true. It's the best place in the world to create your own world and life. And so I was just that kid that I think as far back as grade school, I was drawing hand-drawn comic books. I remember they were Greek gods and I was trying to sell those and recycling newspapers. If anyone's that old that remembers newspapers and, you know, and, and it just, through the years, you know, it's amazing what happens when you have this crazy streak in you to start businesses. But I've started over 20 different businesses, mostly in the health and finance space, always on the internet. And really since the dawn of the internet, like we were long before the dot-com blow up and then we survived the black, well, not really survived. I was two, I had two dot-com blow ups. Um, but throughout the years, I've always just been in marketing. I've been very fortunate to have, you know, a couple of really good successes, made a couple of seven figure companies, sold them, bought other companies and really just, you mentioned it. It's it's my reason for being is I look around and everything in our lives that's of value, whether it's just a drinking cup or, you know, even your iPhone was because some crazy person had this wild idea, Steve Jobs, 
he and in, in Wozniak in the garage started Apple computer, right? And you got to have a little bit of a screw loose to, to want to do this stuff. But everything in our lives that's of value is because of an entrepreneur. That's my passion is just helping entrepreneurs and whatever flavor they come in. And, and I see it as my way of giving back to the world. If I can help a small business be successful, mm -hmm. it raises the tide for all of us. So that's kind of my history. And it's, uh, I mean, we can go into detail. I've got lots of blow-ups and lots of bombs and then at the end of the day i just have a ton of arrows in my back so yeah let's talk about that for a minute because i was going to ask you you know you you've been through all this you you've seen the success what was one of the worst moments for you oh gosh that, that moment where you were so close to quitting it was like a hair breast away that, that was yesterday i think <laughs> <laughs> um you know, it's it's being an entrepreneur, it is tough. It's it's the hardest occupation you could choose. You know, it's yeah. it's unrewarding and you struggle with imposter syndrome all the time. And can you really do this? And if you're like me, I never I only raised money once. Every other business I ever started was self-funded. And mm -hmm. so when when you gotta look your wife in the eye and say, Hey, we we need to take out a second mortgage to fund this crazy idea of mine. Um <laughs> It takes a little bit of gumption to make that happen. And, um, you know, over the years, I've made lots of money and lost lots of money. I mean, there's, think, 25 out of 25 different startups, so probably a good 18 of them blew up. And by blow up, either they never got off the ground or they got off the ground and then the balloon popped and everything fell apart or you never know. Like we like a really good, good one that was kind of one of the main impetuses for what I'm doing now is... Um, Back in 97, right before the dot-com blow up, we started a software company and it was a B2C software for home entrepreneurs of all things. Mm -hmm. um, how do they run their business at home? It had like forms and documents and process and all that stuff. Well, if you, if you were around back then, the dot-com bubble was basically because of dot-com, the internet was coming of age. And we had raised money to build this software and spent two years building this software. And it's just one of those things where you're like, how in the world did I not see this? But we we got the software after two years of development ready to sell and we went out on the road to sell it. And everyone's like, well, we just want it on a website. Don't you have a .com? And I'm like, no, I've got this floppy disk. You don't want the floppy disk? <laughs> and, and we could not sell it. So we basically got to the point where we kind of ran out of money. We didn't budget for marketing and we did not see the internet at all. Mm -hmm. And I was so tired by then. And it was such a struggle that we really just kind of wrapped it up and said, it, here it sits. That's, that's that company there, Atlas Systems. <laughs> that's, that's what remains of that company. Yeah, it's, and, and that's, 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 you know, the big lesson of that is, well, a couple of lessons is like marketing should come first. <laughs> Don't build the product and then try to sell it, try to sell it and then build it. But also like you always have to, like we did not save any money for marketing. Uh, we did not have a budget and that just wasn't in the plan. And, and, and that's kind of where we are today is I'm passionate about this idea of you have to have a marketing plan. It's, it's like trying mm -hmm. to build a house without a blueprint. You know, what yeah. the heck are you going to build? 
You know, I don't, yeah. I don't know if you've ever tried to build a house, but if you go hire a general contractor, you know, one, they're expensive, you hand them a bunch of money um, and they turn around and they go hire the plumbers and electricians and drywallers and all the people that actually build the house, the specialists, right? Well, you would be out of your mind to get that process going if you didn't have that role of an architect, someone who puts all your dreams down on paper and mm -hmm. describes the house. Is it a two bedroom yeah. house, three bedroom house, so many bathrooms, you know, or, or are you building an Adobe house versus a colonial, right? Yeah. And I, I love the book, The Fountainhead is one of my favorite books of all time and, and was inspiration for a lot of this stuff. And that's where I got the idea, wait a minute, you know, Howard Rourke is this architect. That's what we need in the marketing world is an architect of the market. Mm -hmm. And that's the blueprint. And that's where we are today. Wow. I figured it's a it's an author's podcast, so I can reference that obscure book that most <laughs> people haven't read. <laughs> I love hearing entrepreneur stories. And thank you for being so honest and sharing that with us. Because sometimes I think we look at people like, you know, when you've built seven-figure businesses, a lot of us look at you and go, we only wish. And it's good to know sometimes and to recognize that you are a person just like everybody else who had the ups and the downs and, and oh, yeah. your successes came at the cost of your failures. And, and because of the failures, um, yeah. it's, you know, that's one of the beautiful things of this American culture that we have here that my dad pointed out to me being an immigrant. He came from Sweden and we have a culture here where you can fail and pick yourself back up and try again. In Sweden, this used to be the case, I don't know if it still is, but if you fail and end up declaring bankruptcy, you are never ever allowed to start a business again. Mm. Like they have a no failure policy. Well, yeah. there's no one in history that bats a thousand, right? No one gets up to bat the first time and hits a home run. You yep. like failure is a necessary part of being successful and and trying and and it's really more about not failing it's more about getting back up and trying again you know and taking and what so, you've learned and improving and learning it. don't do the same dumb mistake twice <laughs> yeah make new mistakes <laughs> yeah right and and you know i was kidding but i wasn't kidding like i think about quitting every day it's tough but it's all i know how to do so cuz i'm completely unemployable at this point so <laughs> You know, it, it's funny that you said that. I got married almost right out of high school, never did any secondary school or like post-secondary school. And even though I've had a lot of experience in a lot of things, I don't have the education to back it. So, yeah. you know, I became an entrepreneur so that I could work at home and raise my kids. At one point, though, when the kids were older, I went to get a job. Now, I didn't want to work at McDonald's. I could have, but I didn't want to. So I applied at a few places where I really knew that my experience would be of benefit to them. But they couldn't see past the fact I didn't have the education. It didn't matter that I had all these years experience that I had yeah. run businesses and all this other kind of stuff. I didn't have the education. So they wouldn't even look at me unless I want to work in a fast food place. I'm kind of unemployable. So I yeah. better make entrepreneurship work. I've got multiple degrees from the school of hard knocks, but not a single <laughs> advanced degree from any legitimate school. Right. Um, you know, and it's, it's funny in today's world, I look at like in the profession of marketing, you know, I, I did go to college and got a degree in business and I'm looking at my professors and this was, you know, 16,000 years ago, you know, even back then, these were people teaching me how to 
to start and run a business who were professional academics. They never started a business. They had never run a business. I can only imagine in today's world, if you're taking a marketing, like you're going to a CMO school, graduate level program, who are the teachers? And, and, and gosh, especially in today's world, marketing changes minute by minute. Yeah. And if you're not act out actually doing it mm-hmm. and like getting your hand dirty and stuff, you're going to get left behind. And I, I look at these and I'm like, what are they learning in school? And that's kind of one of my missions too, is I think this marketing plan formula should be taught in college because it's universal. It's not dependent on Facebook or social media or any of these strategies. It's it's core principles of how do you use marketing to achieve your vision? Well, you know, it's funny, as an entrepreneur, I wanted to learn more about marketing because it fascinated me. Mm -hmm. And I decided to take a marketing course from my local college. Mm -hmm. Guess how much I learned from that course that actually applied to my business? Because that's why I was taking the course, so I can learn how to market my business. Yeah, I don't know. Nothing. (laughs) There wasn't a single thing. What did you learn? I'm kind of curious. You know, they talked about all the terms, you know. Yep. Uh, That's part of it. You got to know the lingo, right? Like you're the yeah, word manager if you don't know your words. The lingo didn't help me put together a marketing plan that was going to no. help me build my business. No. Okay, so I understood some of the concepts, but there was no how. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I had a good grasp of the marketing concepts, but it still gave me nothing that was going to help me apply that to my business and market my business. Mm-hmm. ROI. Yeah. I understood, you know, KDPs and all these other, you know, three letter terms that they had for everything, but still there was nothing that I could use. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing to me after I, I, my whole world is small business entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. That's my peer groups. That's just who I hang out with. It's kind of weird. Like that's, I just know CEOs, but um, it's weird in that that is still the case today. You have an infinite ocean of opportunities. And if you ask 10 people, what is their even definition of what is marketing? You'll get 10 different answers. Like it's, people can't even define what it is. And the worst part is, is exactly what you said. It's that idea of resource allocation. You've only got so much time, money, and opportunity. You need to make this work for you today. And if you choose the wrong strategy or doing the wrong things, you're going to waste that. And so what, what I and I only after 35 years of doing this, I only realized this about late 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've ever had this experience. I love working on whiteboards. I was working with a group of entrepreneurs, seven, you know, seven entrepreneurs, and I was drawing on the whiteboard. And all right, what if we move this over here and move this over mm-hmm. here? And all of a sudden, I had this whiteboard epiphany where I was like, <laughs> oh my God, how come no one's ever seen this before? And that was like clear as day. That was the genesis of the marketing plan formula and this idea of reverse engineering your business. And that's, I wasn't kidding. Like that's one of my missions is to get this taught in college. There's no secrets. Like it would save so much pain Mm -hmm. from the entrepreneur's part. Like that's why I'm here to teach this. Well, you know, the funny thing is I don't have whiteboards, but I do have one foot by one foot post-it notes. Ooh, I like that. I like post-it notes. They, I do too. I've got them everywhere. My family gives them to me for Christmas and I get the really nice big ones. So, cause they love me. Yeah. And my favorite one is the one on my monitor and it just <laughs> has two words. What value? Everything mm. you do, you should be trying to provide value to somebody. 
So yeah. well, let's switch over here because I know that you've got a lot to share with us today about reverse engineering and and setting up a marketing plan for your business. Yeah. So let's start with first, what is a architect, and kind of paint the picture mm-hmm. of the role of what we're doing here. Um, because again, this world of marketing, it's everything from, you know, your company name printed on the pen to your logo on a coffee cup, to hats, to your website, to your brochures, to your business cards, to even how your customer service answers the phone. Marketing is this enormous world of, well, it's really opportunity. And what we need is, is a structure as the entrepreneur, CEO, solo entrepreneur, you need a structure for which you can say, hey, look, I have this vision. How do I use marketing, this mm-hmm. blob of can't even define it, to achieve that vision? Mm-hmm. And especially in today's world where every time you turn around, there's some new tool, like the whole world, you know, going bonkers over chat GDP right now. Yeah, it's just a tool, right? It's, it's, I look at it like, I don't know if you remember last, last year or two years ago, Clubhouse was the big thing. Lasted about four months, but everyone thought that was the next. There's always a big thing, right? I've been around long enough. You know, my first computer was a Commodore 64. So I've seen all the internet big things come and go. And they all will come and go. I probably have you beat. Yeah. My dad was in computers in the 70s. So in 1978, I had a trash 80 in my house. Ooh, that does beat me. And it was, I was it very unique. Coffee I was... serve green screen. And I, I, for the life of me, could not oh. figure out what the heck to do with these and the bulletin Well, my boards dad used and... to write programs and my job was to type them in. Yeah. I talked about recycling newspapers. The real money was in the old computer punch cards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we used to recycle those. If you could find those, those were a gold mine. Yeah. So if, if we, if we, Paint a picture of like using an analogy. Kim, you've dreamt your whole life of building your dream home, right? Mm-hmm. You can see it clear as day. You can see the furniture. You can see how many bedrooms, bathrooms, what color the house is. You know where your garden is out in the yard. Like it, this, you've dreamt about this your whole life, right? So you finally save up enough money where you can now get to work on building that dream home. And it's a lot of money. And it's a lot of risk and it's your dream. Like so much is resting on, on choosing the right contractor. So you go out and you talk, talk to a hundred different people. You talk to all your girlfriends, you talk to your friends, you talk to everyone you can get the best referral you can for the best contractor, read all the reviews, whatever you hire that contractor, you hand them your money very tentatively with all the hope in the world. And the contractor's job is to take that money and go hire the plumbers, electricians, drywallers, all the subspecialties. Mm -hmm. The general contractor typically doesn't know all those subspecialties. You of course want to hire a licensed electrician. You don't want to have your plumber doing the electricity Mm -hmm. and vice versa. And so you have all these specialties and they're licensed for a reason because it's important the thing that matters the most when building a house is how does this general contractor know what is that picture in your head and what to build in the real world that's the blueprint right so there's this role of an architect their job is to take and talk with you and get that out of your head and down on paper 
So the rest of the world knows what to build. Yeah. And it also includes, you know, all the details, how many bedrooms, bathrooms, what materials are we building an Adobe house or, you know, like a colonial house? Uh, what are the budgets? How much money do we have for this? It's not unlimited. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. You have to have this blueprint. But in the business world now to contrast this with the business world, what happens and I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of business owners, what they do is kind of the same process. They got the vision. They know what they want. They know they need marketing to get to the next level. They need an agency or they need a freelancer, some marketer because they don't know how to build their house. And they ask around, they get referrals, they do all the Google reviews and research. But at the end of the day, they go and hire a contractor and they hand them all their money and their hopes and their dreams. And that contractor then goes and tries to build their house. But in the business world, this idea of having a marketing blueprint doesn't mm -hmm. exist. And the role of a market tech, a marketing architect doesn't mm -hmm. exist. And so that's what we do. We, we run a school for marketing professionals and business owners, whoever, I don't care who you are, but if you wanna learn this process of creating a marketing blueprint mm -hmm. where you can now go hire the plumbers and electricians and specialists, and it takes you out of having to feel, most business owners and marketers I talk to, they're on this endless hamster wheel in, in YouTube university of, oh my God, the latest Facebook strategy or the, you know, whatever. That's an endless hamster wheel and it's really commodity work. You know, if you, it's kind of like being the electrician, we need them. And it's fine if you want to be an electrician, but there's a lot of electricians for me to choose from when I'm building my house. Yes. So the most valuable role, I think, is also the the architect, the person mm -hmm. who says, hey, look, this is where we need to go and whatnot. So that's kind of the scenario of what we do. Mm -hmm. And then now the question becomes, all right, so what is this process of reverse engineering a business? Mm -hmm. So we've set it up. I'm your, I'm going to talk to you like I'm your marketing architect. All right. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we need to talk about, Kim, is tell me about the house you want to build, yeah. right? Because I don't want to assume what your house looks like. I don't want to tell you what color it is and all this stuff. Again, in the marketing world, that's what happens. I'm, I'm your marketer. I know SEO and I know Google PPC and I know maybe one or two other strategies. I'm going to take your vision and try and shove it into my strategies. And this is why it rarely works. So the first place when we're starting creating a blueprint is you have to have you, the visionary, has to mm -hmm. describe in detail what it is we're building. And in a business, it's not just, you know, the 12-month picture. What's the long-term picture? Are you building a business to sell or is this a lifestyle business? Those are two completely different marketing blueprints. Yeah, because they're two different types of business and how you right. build them. Yep. You know, when, when you're building a business to sell, you have to design that business so it can run without you. Precisely. And depending on what, what you're building to sell, you know, marketing might not even be that important. I worked with a company this summer in Denver here that is a technology company. They're building a piece of software that that would be the valuable thing someone would buy from them as a business. Yeah. And so they don't, they actually didn't even need marketing. They had a couple of customers, they had proof of concept, the value for them, their dollar is better spent building their software than spending it on marketing. And, and so these are important things. So that's, that's the first step. Now, the second step, so you got to get really clear. And we usually break this down into 12 month, 24, 36, 
What's the exit strategy look like? And and being a writer, you can appreciate this. When we're done, we want to, it's, it's just like writing a book. You need to sit down and say, all right, if my goal is to have a million dollars in revenue within 12 months, well, that assumption or that goal, now we can start working backwards and say, okay, well, that's $83,333 a month. How is that going to come about? And every month we don't do that, it piles up into the next month. And so you can start you know, playing with this stuff and really mm -hmm. like an architect with a blueprint, if it's not fitting, it's not going to fit. You can't shove 10 bedrooms into a thousand square foot home. It's just not going to work. Right. But people don't, this is what I mean. People don't take the time to sit down and think through they have. And this is where as an entrepreneur, you're like, yes, I want a million dollar business, but that weighs on you. And, and if yeah. it's completely unrealistic, you're just going to be carrying that burden and you're always yep. going to be disappointed. Yeah. Right. So the next step is, okay, we've got that vision out of your head, Kim. Now my mm -hmm. job as your architect is to look at what materials we need, what professionals we need to hire. What does the land look like? Do we need to do some excavation? Blah, 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 blah. And this is part two of this or section two is what we call, and I, I'm doing air quotes if you're just listening to this, but this is the marketing. You know, like I alluded to earlier, every business is unique. You cannot take a unique business and shove it into your marketing plan. It just doesn't work. Yeah. We've tried for 20 years. We tried every, every marketing strategy out there. And if it worked for somebody, we would try and it would fail like every single time. And it's because your marketing has a result of your business, not the other way around. And so what we did is I looked and I said, remember that whiteboard epiphany? What I came up with is I was thinking to myself, what is the base elements? What is the periodic table of marketing that applies to every business, no matter what? And I came up with this equation called the master marketing equation that we use. And we really treat it like a math equation, like an algebraic equation. It has three variables. And if you can solve those variables, chances are you're gonna make marketing that works. And, and that's a good point. Marketing is a game of probabilities. There is no switch that says, hey, if you do this, you will have successful marketing. It's kind of mm -hmm. like investing in stocks. You know, you wanna not necessarily listen to that YouTuber, YouTuber who's saying, hey, buy this stock. You wanna do your own homework. You wanna do your own research, look at the fundamentals, whatever. Determine your level of risk you're willing yeah, to take. Exactly, exactly. You know, and marketing's the same way. You're just stacking the odds of probability in your favor. And so this master marketing equation, you can write it down. It's we we say MME, master marketing equation equals RM plus RP plus RTP. Now I'm gonna say this and you probably heard it. I want you to just say, do you agree or disagree that if you can solve these three variables, you will probably have marketing that works. So those three variables are the right message to the right person at the right time and place. If you can do that, you will have marketing that works. Do you agree? Yep. All right. Here's the thing. We have to look at these variables and we start thinking about them. The right time and place, those are your strategies. Is it Facebook? Is it Pinterest? Is it Google? What is it? Like, what is your strategy? And it's even online or offline. Maybe it's events yeah. and trade shows or magazines is the right time and place. You know, you don't want to be that door-to-door -door salesman interrupting dinner with your marketing message. <laughs> yeah. So the right time and place and the right message, if you think about it, those are both 100% dependent on your right person. Mm -hmm. If you're, and this, is, this applies to if you're a, trying to sell your book, right? You have a reader of your book, you know, maybe you're writing a romance novel for the middle-aged housewife. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, 
that's probably also read by some men over here, but you need to determine the men are reading it for a different reason than the housewife. Yeah. Completely. And so your marketing message totally depends on that right person variable. Now, we already established marketing is really expensive. So what we what I, what I said was, well, wait a minute. If we have the opportunity to define who is the right person, mm -hmm. let's do that as your most profitable customer. So if you have an existing business, who do you make the most money from, right? And every business has this 80-20 principle where, you know, 80% of your profits come from 20% of your customers. Probably in the book world, 80% of your sales come from 20% of your reader base. Well, and the other thing too, when you're thinking about that customer, not just the money that you get from their sales, there are customers that refer you a lot of business. So you might not mm -hmm. make the most from that one specific customer, but if you look at the total of what that customer has brought into the business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and so what we look at is the lifetime value of a customer. And there's two pieces to that equation. There's the actual money part of it, but there's also time. You know, is, is that customer doing business with you over three months, 12 months, three years? What is the time frame? But the logic goes, hey, look, if, if this is our most profitable customer, this is where 80% of our profits are coming from, not revenue, but profits, then let's go get more of those. That's, yeah. that's as hard as it gets. And so that's where we start. And we start with um, defining that based on, you know, pure financials. Um, if you're a book author, you want to look at who's who's reading your book. That's your right person. But I don't know if you advise this to authors or but I would imagine when you're writing a book, you write it for one person. You don't write it for a group. That's right. Same thing in marketing. You can only talk to one person at a time. So even though you might be trying to reach a million people, you still got to create your marketing for one. And it's, it's the a right million person. single people. Yeah. So we do that. And, and again, what we're trying to do is remove the subjectivity of marketing. You know, most marketing is this throw it against the wall and hope something sticks methodology. We're coming in logically and saying, look, we're going to define this as the right person that double checks against your vision. Mm -hmm. So now I can say, if we go get more of these people, are we going to build the business you want to build? Now, what is the message that that person needs to hear from you in order to do business from you or with you? And that's just a customer research process. Yes. And it, of course, depends on if you're B2B or B2C or whatever, like all the details. But you basically just ask. And all business is is solving problems. So mm -hmm. you say, you know, when you think about trying to solve this problem, what is it you struggle with? And they tell you. <laughs> it's funny. If you just ask, they'll tell you. <laughs> and they'll also tell you. The next question we ask is, well, when you're trying to solve that problem, where do you go to solve it? And they'll tell you. Oh, I go to Google. Or, oh, I go to Facebook or, oh, I read this magazine or I go to this group, peer group, whatever. Well, there's your marketing strategies. That's where you should be investing your money. So this equation is really simple looking on the surface, but it's extraordinarily powerful when you put it into practice. Yeah. Russell, I'm going to interrupt you there because are we, running we up are actually time? a little over time. Uh -oh. <laughs> All right. Well, let me speed up then real quick. Two set, two minutes. Then you have your offer. That's what you deliver in your message. And then you have your USP, which wraps around your offer, which separates your offer from everyone else's, right? Yeah. Now that brings us to now we know our strategies. Now we know what are those two or three channels we're going to be investing to go get these people at. Mm -hmm. The final piece of the equation is what are the metrics and numbers, like you said earlier, that make the whole machine work? 
And there's two levels to those numbers. There's company level numbers. What are, you know, what's my lifetime value of a customer? What's my profit margin, blah, 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 blah. But then you also have marketing strategy numbers where if I'm running a Facebook paid advertising campaign, how do I know it's performing? What's yeah. the click-through rate? What's the landing page conversion? Blah, 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 blah. Email, same thing, all the same. That is your marketing plan formula. And mm -hmm. since we're over time, what I'll mention is I have this a single sheet marketing plan that mm -hmm. all your listeners can download. And it's if you have a business or even use it for a book, same principles apply. It's universal. Mm -hmm. You can download it. I'll give you the link here in a second. But if you try to fill this out, you'll find that it's quite challenging because most people haven't done this research. And it is the single sheet marketing plan is those five steps on paper. So it's, it's, you can get it at marketingplanformula.com slash A to A for author to authority. <laughs> and two is in the number. Two is in the number, small A to A and download it. And we also offer, we'll, we'll spend half an hour with you on the phone if you want and review it with you and help you tune up your marketing plan. So Russell, that, that is wonderful. I tend to, I tend to babble a little bit. I thank you so much. <laughs> I hope it was valuable. I hope you get something from it. Here's the thing, you know, you gave us a piece of meat, right? Sometimes our guests give us milk that we can drink and we can do something with right away. And that's good. But sometimes we need the meat. Sometimes we need something that we're going to sit and we're going to chew on for a while mm -hmm. and really get the goodness out of it. And I think that your your formula is one of those things. Even as you were talking, I was I was thinking through and it's something that I've been thinking through and sort of as a, you know, a review of the business where I'm at, you know, who is that ideal client and things. So I think what you gave us today is something that the audience is really going to think about. And I encourage them to get the marketing plan formula, put it down in writing, really think it through and then do a discovery call with Russell and his team and, and get some clarity. Yeah, anyway, thank you it. so much, Russell, for being on the show. Thanks this for is having Russell me. Lundstrom and Kim Thompson Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now. You've been listening to the Author to Authority podcast. The extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.